guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are at the penultimate episode of season three. Only one more. I don't want to let season three no. go. Girl, no. how did we get here so quickly? <laughs> Can you believe that like six episodes ago, Justin was with Ethan? I know. That seems like we trained though, <laughs> I know, right? I was like, who? Yeah, like, who, who is that? Like, yeah. I mean, that's like two seasons ago, it seems right. like. Uh-uh. Yeah. And, you know, I thought of something else. You remember when we were in, like, the planning stages of our podcast, and we were like, you know, every episode will be, like, 30, 45 minutes. Girl, yeah. Oh, that was so cute. We no. were so cute. Because now we're going long, okay? Yeah. Long. Like, the edited version of some is two hours. Big part. No, for real. Y'all don't even know the work that he should be putting in the back end, you know? <laughs> All my ums and cussing and just crazy. Oh, now talking about all the tangents we go off yes, on and all for the real. yeah, girl, we have thirty minutes. That was a good dream. Oh yeah, okay. that we Lord. were so cute and innocent back then. <laughs> so funny. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, so here we are at three thirteen, and this episode is gritty. It is. Yeah, uh, that's just kind of like the best word I got for it. It's very gritty. It left me with anger, to be honest. Like, I mean, I feel like I got no closure in this episode. <laughs> Um, like that was on purpose. That was intentional. Yeah, I don't even know what I don't even know what to think, what to say. Like, damn. Okay, like that's all I can say is damn. I was gonna say, man, I would hate to be you know back when this show was in its original run and have to wait a whole week to oh. see the next to see the next episode. But that's exactly what you have. I was to about do. to say, like, are you throwing <laughs> mad shade my way? Yeah, because you definitely got to wait a whole week. Yeah, I'm you. telling you, it's getting harder and harder each week. You know, but I, I'm staying true. I haven't. I'm so busy anyway. I don't have time to watch an episode without you. But damn, these episodes <laughs> are fire. Yeah, fire. All right, so let's get into this one because I have a feeling we both have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we start off at the loft, and I love this shot. I love this whole. I love the way the scene is set up. You know, with Brian standing there in the window with a cigarette and. It really comes across as Rage looking out over Gayopolis. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it's like he's up in his lair and the police sirens are down below and our vigilante is there plotting <laughs> in his lair. And I like the uh, the cigarettes and the contemplation. Like, I really love that in this scene. And then Justin is there in bed and he sees Brian standing over. He sees Brian standing over at the window and it's either really late or really early <laughs> in the morning. And I think Brian being awake signals to Justin that his mind is racing. Right. Because the last time we saw them, they were trying to get some info or DNA from that cop who knows something or somehow connected to Jason Kent's murder. And as far as Brian and Justin know, he didn't show up and so it was a failed mission. I think Brian does feel a certain responsibility and a need to like vindicate himself in a way because he was on the wrong, by not choosing a side, he ended up on the wrong side. And then I think he's got his own personal thing with wanting to get Stockwell back and which isn't the primary motivating factor, but I do think it is a factor. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's a factor. But at the same time, Brian wants to do what's right. And like right. you said, he didn't choose a side, so he ended up on the wrong side, trying to better himself in a career, you know. And now that his eyes are open, I, I think that, you know, it was open, but it was beneficial for him at the time. Right, you know? so he was able to be kind of apolitical and apathetic. Yes. And stand back, but then when you're complicit. Yes, absolutely. And I love the scene because we never get to see like this this worry or this concern on, on Brian. And, yeah. it's not, it's, and it's not that he's worried for himself. He's like really trying his hardest to I think he to feels like right. yeah, he's at a dead end yeah. and he doesn't want to be. Like no. that's, that's weighing heavy on him. Exactly. Like he is really, really, really trying. 
I mean, it's weighing heavy on him. And mm-hmm. the fact that he can't sleep, like you said, it alerts Justin, like, yo, his mind is racing, something's going on. Yeah, yeah. I love that Justin walks over to him, sensing that Brian is taking on the weight of all of this. And mm-hmm. we see him rubbing his shoulders and also just being there with him, reminding him that he's not alone. Mm-hmm. Brian's a very physical person, so him touching him is kind of that reassurance that Brian needs here. Right. And he doesn't tell Brian not to think about it because he knows that's not going to work. Of course, Brian's going to think about it because, you know, this is Brian's new mission and they're kind of in this together. And Justin's definitely on board with with his man. <laughs> um, uh, so Brian says he didn't show up. And Justin says, well, we can try again. And Brian turns to him and shakes his head no. And it was a risky move. It, it's yeah. very dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... For one, he's putting, you know, Justin in danger mm-hmm. by playing this game. Because you don't know how this man is really going to react. Right. With him being a police officer, or so they think he is, I mean, he could be carrying a weapon. and right. he's And you think he's already killed before. So, and he's not thinking he's been set up. So you don't know what, you, know, you don't know what you're really walking into. Right. You know? And you don't know how far Justin's going to have to go to right. get some kind of DNA. Exactly. Yeah. But that's exactly what it is. He doesn't want to subject Justin to that again. And so I'm, th- I'm sure Brian's been standing at that window this whole time trying to think of another angle, of another right. option, but he's just coming up. Short. Short, yeah. Uh, well, he does say that Justin looked hot. And I think this is Brian trying to shift away from his very serious thoughts because Justin knows why Brian is saying no. Because uh, typically, Justin would say, no, we are going to try again. I'm going right. to go right now. Exactly. <laughs> or just like, I'll go if you don't want to. But he knows that part of the reason Brian is saying no is because Brian's worried about Justin's safety. And that's something that's very important to Brian. Like he said that early in, I think it was season two, like, I want you safe. I want you around for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he realizes that he put Justin at risk. And so he's like, we're not doing that again. You know, Brian was able to communicate all of that just by turning and looking Justin directly in the eye and shaking his head. But that's what makes them so great. It's like nonverbal communication. It's Mm -hmm. like they're totally instant. Their mind works as one. Justin knows him so well. He knows what he's thinking. He can anticipate his next move. He, he already knows it. Right, so. yeah. And I, I don't. also don't think Brian trusted himself not to let more words spill out, spill out if right. he actually opened his mouth and said, no, <laughs> we're not doing that again. But like you said, Justin already knows where Brian's thoughts have taken him, and he doesn't leave Brian stewing over that. Instead, he offers a little distraction. Mm-hmm. So he walks over and picks up that leather jacket that you know Brian bought him just for this occasion. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he offers Brian a little role play action as he pulls him away from the window and over to the to their sofa and all of his little giggle is so cute. And Justin says, this is going to cost you a hundred bucks. And Brian says, we were just pretending, remember? And Justin says, oh, maybe you weren't. <laughs> Justin got to get them coins. I'm for my coins, boo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't play about my coins. Yeah, no, I'm going to need those. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there's a knock on the door, and then Justin, like, flees. I think he's exposed himself enough to the loft visitors. It's time to run, for real. Because <laughs> yeah. last time you were just laying there in plain sight. Yeah. Right? With, the, with the damn evidence next to you. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on now. Brian watches him go, and I'm sure he's thinking, no, don't go too far. <laughs> so I looked at the script for this episode, and here, let me read this to you. I didn't tell you this in advance. Yeah. Uh, so this is Justin. He says, have you noticed that whenever there's an unexpected pounding at your door, it's usually someone you don't want to see? And Brian says, I've also noticed that unless I answer it, they usually don't go away. So they were supposed to be, basically, Justin is saying what we're all thinking. Yes. <laughs> I wish they would have left that in there because I'm like, bro, get to a damn deadbolt, okay? Yeah. Like, they will be knocking, knocking, knocking because this Debbie, she's opening up. She's coming. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And it's Michael and yeah. Debbie. They're all coming. Yeah. So um, let them knock. Why can't you be asleep? Right. The sun ain't even up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, come no on. No house. You control who come up in here and win. That part. 
Uh, well, Brian walks over to the door, and our boy clearly has not learned his lesson because he just rips it right, right open, doesn't ask who it is, and it's Hunter. And I'm happy to see Hunter alive because it looked real iffy when he went with that cop last Girl, episode. Yeah, I thought we the knock on the door was like, you know, Debbie, have you seen him on that call? Like, Hunter hasn't come <laughs> yeah. home yet, you know. Did you see him tonight or, mm-hmm. or something like that? But it's him. Yeah. But I'm thinking, how does everybody know what the hell Brian... Hunter doesn't even know Brian got a man. How do you know where I live? Yeah, I don't okay. know how he figured out where where Brian lives, but, but he might be resourceful. I mean, he's been out there in them streets. That so. part, or he probably went, went through Michael's stuff. Okay, yeah. He, everybody had little day planners back then, little, <laughs> little address books and yeah. stuff. You know, so he made it went through the Palm Pilot. I'm like, okay, Brian Kenny. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, I'm going over. Yeah, we're going to explore. We're going to figure out how how Hunter <laughs> do. What do y'all think? How did Hunter find? What are, What are you all? You know what I'm saying? What is your imagination telling you? How did Hunter get to Brian's? Yeah. Well, so Brian opens the door and says, well, what do you want? Well, he lets those eyes travel to exactly what he wants. Yeah, I was right there with you, Hunter. Okay, I'm looking to. <laughs> and Brian says, besides that, and Hunter holds up a little present for Brian, and Brian asks if he made, Brian asks him if he made it himself. Uh, and it's a used condom yucko. Yo, and it's filled. Like, I mean, boy, he loaded him up. That was some nasty shit. <laughs> yes, oh, no, very yucko. The, the, very. Okay? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Well, it's the cops. And uh, Brian thought that was an extreme way to get some DNA, but uh, the cop doesn't smoke, so... <laughs> which, do what you gotta do. Right, but again, they didn't know that. And so that he right. was telling Justin, okay, all you have to do is when he's distracted, just grab a cigarette. But, well, yep. see, he would have had to go further into this. Really? Really? Yeah, now I don't think Justin would go that far, but still. I mean, Justin could have just snatched, I guess, a piece of hair or something, you know. Yeah, I don't got know. Got some skin I don't know. Nails. What would know. work, but yeah. But, anyway, yeah. Hunter came through with the win. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Hunter's literally out here risking it all for King Kenny for some. Trying to get him a little piece. And he's never going to get a piece. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But good looking out, though. We love yeah, him. you make some good efforts. Brian says, I got to hand it to you, kid. You've got a lot of spunk. Uh, Hunter walks into the loft, checking things out. And I think he's thinking, okay, jackpot. Like, if I can score Brian, yeah, like. Yeah, I made it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm set. I mean, he just did a big favor for Brian. And you know he's expecting his reward. Like, tip for tat. I gave you some tat. I need my tip. That part. Okay. <laughs> You won't tell, I won't tell. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is in the scene, but not part of the scene, really. But I noticed there are two martini glasses out in this scene. And so there's one at the window where Brian was standing, and there's one at the bar in the kitchen. And so I guess they got home from this night, had them some drinks, went to bed. and anyways. But, you know, Yeah, so they got home, had some drinks. Clearly, they fooled around. Clearly. And then, you know, Brian it put Justin to sleep. Right. Brian got up. You know, Justin, this is where I'm thinking. You know, Justin reaching out for him in the middle of the night couldn't feel him. So he rolled over and he see this man standing at the window contemplating. Yeah. So then he, let me get up. Let me rub my man's shoulders. <laughs> make him feel good. Let's relax him. Yeah. And then he relaxed him until they got a little interrupted. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I really feel like Brian is a late night thinker like that. Yeah. Like, on deep things like that. Because it's when it's quiet and he's alone and uh, that's when he allows himself to think about the things that he's been running away from and avoiding all day. And mm-hmm. so... I think this is definitely not the first time that Justin, because Justin knew right where to find him. Like, and he wasn't like, why are you over there? Like, mm-hmm. so I think he's used to Brian doing that. And, um, yeah, he's found his own way to kind of yeah, I pull him agree. back. Yeah. Um, side personal note, that's how kind of like I am. I do all my best thinking in the night, late night. I mean, late, late, you know, I don't sleep. So <laughs> no, <you laughs> late, don't. late, late night. 
because all throughout the day I'm always on, and I feel like I mean I'm definitely not doing Brian do, what what Brian doing. You know what I mean the man's amazing, but I'm always ripping and running. You know, I'm always in someone's face or somebody's in my face and emails. I mean, always something. So my mind is always going. So when I'm alone in the night, Brad's asleep, all the dogs are resting, everybody. I can do all my thing and get get my thoughts out. So. Yeah. So sorry, but back to the scene. Hunter says the loft looks like something out of the movies, and Brian says, well, I've never seen a scene like this in any film nominated for Best Picture. And can I use this moment to say that it's a travesty that Queer's Folk didn't win tons of awards in this day? No. Oh, wow. I'm not one of you, because so, I didn't research this before we started talking, but I know they didn't win enough. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that that, that should have been... It what? wasn't anywhere near enough. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, also, Brian is looking real buff in this scene. And it, my personal headcanon is that he was over there working on his revenge body while Justin was with Ethan. Oh! Like, he's getting his Khloe Kardashian. Yes, <laughs> for real. I'm going to show you. Okay. Yeah. Well, you didn't miss that on. Okay. Yeah. You got that chicken dinner. Okay. I'm the winner. <laughs> uh, anyway, Hunter uh, also found out the cop's name is Kenneth Riker. It's I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> it's printed on, too close again, it's printed on a TV guide that Hunter nicked from this guy. Um, so that means Hunter went to his place. Okay, he I'm, must have. I would, was, yeah. yeah, I mean, he could. it's possible it's in the car, but why would you have your TV guide in the car? I mean, unless you're just trying to see what's going to come on that night when you... Then you were never boring. <laughs> no wonder yeah. why you're buying it, okay? Because, like, boy, are you traveling with the TV guide? Yeah. Hunter went to his place, which is another hella dangerous move. Right. Okay? Yeah. Like, you don't go to the Trick's house. <laughs> Wherever okay? they were. Yeah. Dangerous, yeah. Well, we see a clothed Justin walk over, and he tells Brian, and Brian tells him some sad news. They canceled Gay as Blazes, which is just unfortunate. <laughs> Hunter says, so how about, expression, how about expressing your appreciation? And Brian practically, like, jumps away from him over to Justin, like, help me. Please. <laughs> and Justin says, Justin cuts in, he already has three times with me. Uh, my job. Yeah. Um, Brian is looking... The look on his face is kind of like, what is going on here? <laughs> Teenage arguments. Yeah. Well, Hunter says, what do you bother with that for? And Brian's face is like, uh, who wouldn't bother with that? <laughs> and also, like, can you believe this kid? Right. And he says, how much is he charging you? And Brian's like, a hundred? And Justin know? confirms, he's like, yes, but he refuses to pay, though. And then Hunter with his little shady ass. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't blame him. I wouldn't give you 10 bucks. Uh, I think Hunter legit thinks Justin is a hustler. Bro, kid, he really thinks this is a real <laughs> deal. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. But I like Justin and his, like, sassy snarkiness in this uh, in this scene. But also with Brian, like, you're not going to just insult Sunshine in front of Brian like this. So, and also this is Michael's ward. And so Brian is kind of, okay, that's enough for you. Let's separate the teenagers. Let's yep. get you home. <laughs> Michael comes flying into his living room because Hunter and Brian have shown up and showed up and they have told them, I guess, what happened. He's like, it's not supposed to be funny, but it's hilarious. No, it was. Michael was Debbie 2.0. Yeah, he was. Okay, he was not playing games. (laughs) He was not very happy that uh, Hunter picked up a murderer. And then Hunter's like, what's the big deal? I used a condom. And Brian, helpful as always, your safe sex looks are paid off. And Michael's like, shut up. Yeah, shut (laughs) up. Uh, but it's the truth. He could have killed you. All of them could have. Yeah. Like, 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 all of them could have. Yeah. Oh, so Michael is in full queen out mode. Uh, so it's a serious issue, but you can't deny there's a little bit of comedy, good bit of comedy here as well. Yes. Uh, but Michael tells Brian, like, you're the one who put him up to this. And Hunter says, I was trying to help. Michael says, no, you were trying to impress Brian. 
And Brian says, well, he wouldn't be the first one. And that's Loved a definite it. shot at Michael. Loved it. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Michael says he already has a boyfriend. And Hunter's like, you do? And Brian says, in a non-defined, non-conventional way, yeah. But and, I love how he got put on the spot. Yes, you know I do. Like? like, qualify it all you want to. Yes. And however you have to, Mr. Kenny. But that was an admission, a confession, and a confirmation yeah. that you got a boyfriend. His you name is Justin. I bet you love him. Hey, for real, though. <laughs> like, Lord. But he got put on the spot. He was like, yeah. what? Yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah, yeah, but like, Stuttering. what's the big deal? Yeah. yeah. It's a total yeah. big deal. Like, we are way past him saying, like, Justin's not just anyone. Yeah. Is what he said, you know, I think in season one. But, uh, yeah, this is a, a true, a really big deal. Him admitting it, even in this wishy-washy way, is an even bigger deal. <laughs> I was happy because we yeah. haven't heard him say that. So, right. I mean, that was a huge deal. Yeah. So, Ben here is trying to be the voice of reason. Like, let's not lose focus. And he tells Hunter what he did was dangerous. And then Michael adds what you said earlier. The cop could have killed him. And Hunter points out, well, they all could. Facts. And Michael says, well, why do you do it? And Hunter responds i have low self-esteem i was sexualized at an early age it's an exciting fun and great way to make non-reportable income and michael says i would like an honest answer i believe that's honest. yeah brian said he just gave you one like yeah because brian gets it (laughs) before brian even answered it i was like Mm -hmm. that's honest like i mean i i I fucked with that like i understood exactly where he came from Uh uh-huh uh-huh and Ben is like, we're you're not gonna throw your life away no more hustling and then him and michael go full-on parent lecture on hunter and Hunter says that he'd rather be killed and thrown in a dumpster than listen to them. Like, typical teenage exaggeration. But maybe they came on a little strong and direct. No, they came on very strong and yeah. direct. I understand where they're coming from, but you know too, you can't but, approach Hunter like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, Brian grabs Hunter's um little gift and says, nice going, my and pa. I think their intentions are in the right place, but mm-hmm. you have to adjust and kind of calibrate your skills for a kid like Hunter. Yeah, you have to know who you're talking to, know yeah. your audience. Well, hustling is what has kept him alive for however long. And yeah, you know, these two are there now, but how long is that going to last? And so exactly. that's only, that for the past however long, that's the only life he's known. And he's got his own things to deal with with that. I don't know. It's just, I know what their intentions were, but it's just like, yeah, maybe exactly. a little. Because I totally think that Hunter knows this was a super dangerous move. and. So I don't blame him for not receiving this lecture in the spirit it was given. Hunter knew going into it, it was going to be a dangerous move. Because Brian told him that night, no, this is dangerous, you can get killed. Right. You know, some, around those words. I don't remember the exact words, but... He it was known that, it was dangerous. You can yeah. see how Hunter was looking in that in last episode, in that scene. Yeah. He was very nervous. And exactly. So he knew it, but I think he truly wanted to be a part of this team and help out. You know, and yeah. yes, impress Brian too, but he really wanted to help out. He knew that this is something he could do. That was in his field. And yeah. the guy recognizes my face, so he trusts me. Yeah, yeah. Somewhat, he knows you know? that I'm a hustler for right. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be, yeah, on guard. Um, well then I wanna like cry at this next scene or throw something or hit something. I don't really know. Um, but it's Ted and Emmett, and Emmett clearly didn't snort as much crystal as Ted did. Because Ted is like on autopilot and it's not yeah. even a thing for Emmett. And Ted offers Emmett more crystal, which he refuses, but Ted doesn't. He refuels. And Emmett is just lying there underneath him. And Ted's like, this is awesome. Don't you feel great? And he's like, no. no. Yeah. And y'all know how much I love the skin scenes, okay? This one did nothing for me. It just, it made me so angry, yeah. disappointed, upset. I mean, I was in all the negative emotions. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, think it needed to be this way to make us feel so uncomfortable. Very. You know, like it needed to be them naked in the bed like this. 
at one point, so, yeah. I got I, I feared for Emmett's safety. Right, because I, Emmett's saying no, and Ted's like, "Come on, you know you want to." Or, yeah, he's being extremely well, I want aggressive. To. Yes, yeah. and he, he he doesn't care about in that moment. He's not caring nothing about Emmett. Mm-mm. It's only about himself because mm-hmm. he's on this cloud twenty, not even nine, like this cloud twenty that he's on because of this damn Tina. So it's just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. Ted says, well, being able to share this with you means everything to me. It's all I ever wanted for us to do this together. Emmett says, I'm going to take a shower and brush this awful taste out of my mouth. And Ted is actually upset with him, like, for leaving him hanging. I have never seen him act like this. Yeah. He really screams out, what what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, can you at least jerk me off? I mean. Emmett says, well, okay, well, later. And Ted's like, now. Do it now. No, like like a child. uh, Yeah. It's just. Emmett sits there for a minute, and I'm like, okay, Emmett, it's decision time. Like, tell him you're not going to be dragged into this pit with him. Yes. But Emmett just... Gets the loop. Gets the loop and go right to work. And in that moment, I mean, in that moment, I, my heart just broke. Yeah. For Emmett. It did. Because he's in a rock and hard place. It, he is. He wants to be... I mean, for one, him and Ted has years of friendship. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's there. And then, he also, he loves this man. This is his man. And then, also, Ted has no one else in his corner at all. Besides you. So he doesn't want to leave him high and dry. He wants to support his man and be with his man. He still got to think about the friendship. But Ted is doing yeah, the and most. He, yeah, and he doesn't want to do anything that would put up a wall between them. So right. I know, I, but yeah. And, you know, one of Emmett's greatest strengths can also be his greatest weakness. Putting other people before himself Always. in his best interest. And mm-hmm. so that's what he's doing right here. Because he's doing all this for Ted. And Ted says this makes him happy and he wants to share this with Emmett. And there is this weird thing that happens in relationships where one person is an addict and it kind of slides into codependency and enabling and you get to this place where your rational mind knows this is not good, but you love this person and to you, the, so- the sober them is like just beneath the surface. And so it's like, if I can just knock away this stuff or I can just put up with this and tolerate this, I can get to the sober person yeah. and... But you're going to always be chiseling and chiseling and chiseling and you're never going to break through that layer. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say never, but... You're going to be chiseling and chiseling and chiseling for a yeah. while. You know? But it is not. This is what happens, though. The sober partner does get caught up in that undertow of, of the person with the this disease of addiction. And and so you start to, your boundaries get all weird and you just find yourself in a position that you never thought you would you would be in anyway. Hard scene. Yeah. Very hard scene. So Brian is back at the station with receipts, honey. He has the DNA and the TV guy, and he takes it straight to Carl. And he says, it's from that kid, the kid whose word you wouldn't take. Like, maybe you'll take it now. Right. And Carl's like, what am I supposed to do with that? And Brian suggests, well, how about you run it against the DNA that was found in Jason Kemp? Why? Why Does Carl tell you? Yeah, yeah. You to do your job? Yeah. You've been on the force. You're, you're clearly you're like a detective. Okay, like mm-hmm. so you're not a cop. You're not just an this officer. This was your case. This you were the one case. on the scene. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, what am I supposed to do with that, bro? It's DNA. What What do you normally do with the DNA? Right. What do you normally do with that? Uh, Let me know. So Carl recognizes Kenneth Riker's name, and he says that he retired a year ago, saying he was under a lot of pressure. And Brian says, "Yeah, well, murdering someone could be very stressful." And Brian asks him if Riker knew Stockwell. Carl reluctantly confesses that Stockwell and Kenneth Reichert were partners for 15 years. And I think Carl knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, but that's a tough spot to be in, going against the chief of police when you are employed by the force. Yeah. You come across a, you come across as a narc, and nobody respects a narc. No, not at all. <laughs> and, I mean, and if he gets caught up, you know, going against the blue, boy, right. that is terrible yeah, for him. That's so, bad news. Yeah. 
Uh, well, Justin is sitting in the dean or president's office there at PIFA, and he is reading a list of Justin's misdeeds, having sexual relations with a partner in the firm, using agency resources to undermine a client, and Mr. Vance sent over this letter, and he was livid. I think that's really low. Like, he could have, obviously, Justin was not going to come back to intern there. Like, I don't think he had to send a letter. He could just let that be. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you already, you already know that that's Brian's man. I'm pretty sure you and Brian had a conversation about it. I mean, they didn't show that. We just going to say they had an off-camera moment. There was no reason for him to send that damn letter over. Stockwell wasn't making him send that letter. Right. Like, so why like, did you send just, it? Yeah, that was just too much. I yeah. mean, ugh. I mean, I guess he was doing it because if if he's going to keep Stockwell as a client, maybe he's doing it to show, like, look at all these steps that I took to right, rectify to this you. situation. Yeah. But I just felt like that was a, a low move. Uh, well... This guy asks Justin if those claims are true. And Justin says, it depends on how you perceive the situation. Um, Facts. Yeah, Justin never wanted to hold back in such situations. Says, well, I was already having a personal, already had personal relations with Mr. Kenny before I got this internship. And he says, yeah, I made some posters based on my political beliefs. And this guy says he's not interested in Justin's dating life or his political beliefs. But Justin has sullied the reputation of the school and its internship program. And, uh... Justin's like, yeah, but I was doing a really good job at my internship. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> All those things are true. But when I was there. But the work was getting done. <laughs> so, and so he tells him that Justin will have, he tells Justin that he will have to appear before the disciplinary committee to apologize if he wants to stay in, at the school. Yeah. That's understandable, though. It is. I mean, because, like you said, you are a representation of this school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you need to and apologize. It, and the, well, I don't think the letter should have been sent, but it was sent. But yeah, so exactly. something has to be done. Exactly. Like, so, I mean, like, yeah, if, if we didn't know, then we didn't know. But yeah. now that we know, we got to take some type of action. Not saying we're kicking your ass out, but apologize right. to us, you know. Right. So, M- Melanie, Lindsay, and Michael are sharing a cute moment in the next scene. They are listening to their baby's heartbeat. And uh, speaking to the baby, and Michael is introducing himself as dad. Um, I think that's a no-no. How do you? I'm glad think? they're not checking him though, so maybe he is going to get to be dad. We'll find out. Uh, how are you feeling about the selection of Michael as a father? Like I know we talked about it before, but I want to check in with you. I mean, you know, originally I wanted it to be both Brian kids, but uh, I think Michael's going to do very well. He's going he's to do very well uh, with a child. I just don't want him to get too attached because you see how Brian kind of does his thing, like. That's their baby. I helped them out, but I'm still going to have a relationship. But, you know, like, that's their child. Michael, I feel like it's it's, it's a, a throuple now. Like, yeah. it's the three of them. I don't know. I think he's he needs to kind of, like, step back a little bit, in my opinion. Like, I'm happy that he's doing all the things he's doing. Like, it's wonderful. I understand you're happy. But is he dad? Like, I mean. I, no, yeah. Yeah, like, no. I, I think he's doing a bit much. Um, But I'm glad. I'm glad they offered it to him because, I mean, he is a good guy. We know he comes from a strong family. So they're definitely going to have help when it comes to that background. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Melanie and Lindsay had their reasons or reason for picking Michael. And I kind of stay looking at the two of them like, okay, girls, I'm going to let y'all have it. Yeah, so. I tried it. <laughs> yeah. But this is a very cute scene. And they're at Michael's shop there together. And uh, Emmett comes in. And he's clearly not in his usual mood. Also, he's still mad at them. For the whole Ted thing, for not accepting Ted's apology. Right. I mean, you could just cut the tension with a knife. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I was like, damn, they're still not talking? 
Yeah, but kind of after what we've seen with Tess, like, admit, no, yeah, dude. Like, like maybe mm. they saw it. Yeah. You know? Well, Mel saw it at least, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I still think her wording and perhaps her timing could have been a little yeah. better. But look at where we are with Tess. This is exactly what, what they said. What Melanie said. Yeah. yeah. Well, Michael says they're your friends and they love you and Ted. And uh, he's like, you know, well, they're, he's upset with them because they, he feels like they're not being understanding or whatever. And he's accepting. also upset with them because they were right. And he didn't want to admit that and they yep, were right. I think that's it. I think that's it, too. And he says, and Emmett's like, so he used crystal. Half the people in this community have. And Michael says, well, I have it. And Emmett says, well, maybe if you did, you'd realize it's not such a big deal. And I kind of think the part of Emmett is saying that to help him deal with his own actions. Yeah. Because he was irate when Ted was being involved with um uh Blake. Uh-huh. And now you're saying it's not a big deal? True, most of his ire was about Blake leaving Ted for dead, but another part of him was angry because he thought Blake was unworthy of Ted in right. that state. And when Blake was on drugs, you know, like yeah. he was like he's an addict. He's always going to yeah, he's always going to be an addict. Yeah, he's not gonna, he's not trying to recover. He's not trying to get right. better. And he was very upset. And now it's not a big deal. Yeah, but Michael figures out what's going on. He knows Emmett. You, he's like Emmett. You didn't like he puts it together. Like Emmett, you're doing this with him now. And Emmett says it just happened. Well, taking Crystal does not just happen. Well, for him, it kind of did, though. Like, I feel like he had no choice. Although, yes, he could have said yes, but this man is the love of his life, literally disappeared four days. Okay, like, literally four days. He, has, he was gone. And then on his return, he comes back and pours his heart out about how this drug makes him feel, you know, special mm-hmm. and beautiful and alive again. And he wanted to share that moment with Emmett. And then Emmett wanted to reconnect with Ted. And, and he wanted to let him know, like, hey, I'm here for you. I'll ride for you. I'll do anything for you. You know, like, was it taking it, was taking um, um the crystal wrong? Absolutely. I, but I feel but like, you see why, in see, Emmett's mind, yeah, you it, can see why that made I can sense. see how well, Emmett formed all of that together. Yeah, it's what Emmett says. I thought if I did it with him, he would know that I'm not being judgmental or disapproving like everyone else. I thought it would make him trust me so that when I do ask him to stop, he would. And so it was his way of trying to connect with him. Like, let me get in this with you. Yeah. And so then when I say, hey, stop, you will know it's not from a place of judgment because I protect, I, yeah, I did it I was with, with you. you. Mm-hmm. That's what he had in mind. And so Michael says, well, did he stop when you asked him? And Emmett says, no, he told me that he never felt so close to anyone in his life and that he can't wait for us to do it again. So that backfired in a horrible way. Horrible, horrible way. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah. Then Justin and Brian are walking and Justin's telling him about his conversation and how he has to apologize like he did something wrong. And Brian's like, well, didn't you? (laughs) He says, if someone would have told me what you were doing, I would have fired you if he wasn't um, engaging in some man-on-man contact with him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So question, why do you think Brian didn't fire Justin when he caught him? Brian loves that Justin's going to stand up for what he believes in. So a part of him, you know, wanted Justin to stand up. I mean, he was the voice for Brian because Brian had to play silent. He had to stay on this side. He had to stay neutral. So the fact that Justin was bold enough and didn't even try to, he didn't even involve Brian. He didn't even want anyone to know. So it's not like he was looking for a pat on the back. So I think Brian was like, okay, I'm raising him well. Strong young man, very confident young man in himself, strong beliefs. So I think Brian was actually proud of him. So that's why he didn't get fired. I kind of think Brian was already uncomfortable with the Stockwell stuff. And here was Justin actually doing something about the situation, not just griping at Brian. 
and chastising him for helping Stockwell's like campaign, everybody else. like everybody else was doing. They all had their mouths on it, but none of them were actually. Well, I mean, I guess they were like they did the protest at the the station, but as far as when it came to, I don't know. I feel like this was still this was different. And Justin's actions got like I ain't gonna say national, but it got that local you know news yeah. talking. It got it became big. I think he said he would make the New York Times or something. It was in some paper. Yeah, yeah. Some, some big paper. <laughs> something, it made, some it made, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I do think he was upset because Justin was doing it at work and doing this to a client. I also think he's a little bit upset because this is Justin doing what he always does. He's making it hard for Brian to ignore the truth. Yep. Um, and so I think that was part of it too. You know, so he in that scene he looked very angry, like he's you know like this is over, put all this stuff away. And but so I think it's like, uh, I've been trying to pretend that I don't know what's going on or right. pretend that I'm still impartial or apathetic this whole time. And you're making it very, very hard for me to do that. Because yep. one thing when he had, had his own internal stuff going on, but now Justin... Made his eyes is, open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Justin tells him that he's not sorry for what he did. And Brian says, well, you don't have to be sorry, but you should apologize if you want to graduate and get a good job and make, make lots of money. Well, Justin doesn't really care about the money. But Brian says, if you want to be able to create whatever you want and not have to answer to anyone, you do care about the money. So go apologize, not for them, but for you. I think it's less about caring about the money and more about needing the money to allow you to not care about someone else's exactly. demands. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I know what he's saying. because it's Good the, advice. Yeah, it's the same kind of advice he gave Ethan. Now, there was another reason why he gave right. Ethan that advice. But it was, you know, basically play their game and make it work for you. It's the same advice he fed to himself. Like, help Stockwell's campaign. Use Use his fat cats to further your career. And that's how Brian operates sometimes. It's like, okay, if the ends justify the means, who cares about the means? True. And also, he was like, it's just to the school anyway. So, Mm -hmm. why does Mm -hmm. it matter? Yeah. I like that they're talking through this. Like, it's clearly Justin's choice to do what he wants. But Brian is listening and offering his opinions and is trying to help Justin see it in a different way. Mm -hmm. But Justin can kind of choose to take Brian's advice or not. But Justin does value Brian's opinion. So, he wants to hear what he thinks on this. But I also think Brian wants Justin to have everything that's available to him. So he's advising him with that in mind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the vibe that I got was this was a conversation between the two of them, but it was down to Justin to make his final choice. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. And I love that he gives Justin, you know, the he, he doesn't force anything on him. You know, he just makes really good points and helps him, like you said, talks him through it. Whatever the case, it's up to you, whatever you decide, you know, but this is where I stand and these are the options you can take. So I love that he he leaves that in. Yeah, in, um, I think there might have been a time where he did try to force things on him, but he sees that like Justin's gonna thrive more you when can't. he's his own man. Yeah, yeah. and he's always gonna go back to yeah what he what he thinks. Yeah. So Carl is seated at the counter in the diner, and Debbie asks what he's doing there in their humble little establishment, and he tells her that he has a date. And her face just falls a little bit when she hears that. Mine too, she's girl. not ready for that. But my heart lit up because, yo, you know, you know I love me some Debbie, some young Deborah and Carl. Yes. Okay? Uh, so I was like, oh, my God. You know, after the whole little um, meeting with Brian, and I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe. he's going to go back. He's going to yeah. go back and get his woman. Yeah. Well, his date is with Brian. And, <laughs> and Debbie looks at Brian like, so what, you converted him? And I think she would never forgive Brian. Ever. <laughs> But you know, Brian had him come to the diner for two reasons. One, because you can see Carl, well, well, that was, yeah, that's the second one. Uh, but the other, because Carl probably needed to deliver this information way away from the boys at the precinct. Absolutely. And they're not going to be there. Right. <laughs> and then also, like you said, because it would put Debbie and Carl in the same room and whatever happens from there is on them. Right. So, yeah. Matchmaker. Yeah. So Brian doing the world a little good <laughs> in these small ways. 
Carl tells Brian that he is right, which is uh, Brian's favorite phrase to hear after nine inches cut. Ooh, <laughs> come through, Mr. Kenny. I love the words, too. Okay, come through. Yeah. Well, um, but Brian, I think Brian says that to Horvath just to get to him. That's a jab for Absolutely. not believing him before. Yeah. yeah. So that's what he does. Like, he loves to, like, shock people and, you know, catch them on guard like that. Definitely when they have, like, wronged him or offended him. Horvath tells him that it does match the the specimen that they found in Jason Kemp's rectum. Ugh. And yeah, and so that proves that Reichard had anal intercourse with Jason Kemp. And Brian asks, is that enough is that enough to make him a suspect? And Horvath says not necessarily. What else do they need? They want video footage? Yeah. What do you need? Well, Brian's not happy with that. Like they had a deal. He said, I upheld my end, so did Hunter, and he's expecting Carl to do the same. And Carl says it's still not enough. And I mean, I guess okay, just for where we are right now, I guess I get where he's coming from. Like this isn't a career criminal we're looking at. I mean, so it's like playing a game of Clue. You have to be able to say who did it in what room with what weapon. Like, you have to be very specific. It's what no. Carl's saying. What we have to do is at least we don't have any any suspects. We have none. Right. And now he, you know someone who had sex with this right, guy. Right, you should at least night. be asking him where did he go afterwards yeah. or whatever. Yeah, because you, you know that he, within however long of his death, this person was with him. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I feel like you should at least be asking him some questions, even if he's not a suspect. Yeah, they're not even doing any of that. Yeah. So, I don't know what to Yeah, so it's like, mm, I kind of guess I can see where you're hiding behind, Carl, because, okay, if we're going to do this, it's got to stick, but mm, it's getting a little hard for me to, to understand you. Yeah, I, I'm not liking the law at the moment. Yeah. But definitely, were this guy not a cop, this would be enough for questioning. But since he is a cop, um, you know, it's going to take a little bit more than that, and Unfortunately, you know, I don't think it's right or fair, but if the last few years have taught me anything, it's that sometimes the rules are a little different when there are uniforms involved. Absolutely. I'll just say it like that. Yep. Enough said. Uh, moving on, keeping it cute. <laughs> Michael <laughs> and Ben are home, and Michael looks ready for bed, but Ben is too frustrated for that. And he's upset because it doesn't seem like they're getting through to Hunter. And he thinks that maybe Hunter would be off, be better off with someone else. He's upset because he feels like he got them into something they weren't equipped or qualified for in his attempt to save the world because he, he's like Hunter is still hustling. He's still coming and going whenever he pleases, if he pleases. And But Michael Michael changes his tune this Yeah, time. Michael's and, a reasonable one. Yeah, too. And, and I love it. He has, he like, the voice of reason. Like, mm-hmm. no, we're doing this. You know, mm-hmm. like, talking him through. Yeah, like, like, these things take time. Yeah. Like, we're doing the best we can. There's parent. no one else to take him in. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he's really stepping into that parent role. Maybe because he has a child on the way. Who knows? But I feel like when your kid is a teenager, you go through some bouts. Yeah. You know, and I think Michael can understand. Hunter is different. With Michael yeah. finding Hunter out there with the boys and telling him, here's the key, you're coming home. I feel like they would have started him creating yeah. a bond. Him seeing yeah. Hunter as a vulnerable kid yeah. in, that, in that little brief exchange that they had right there. Yeah, I really think that made a difference yeah. for him. And I say a lot about Michael, uh, but he does at times d- display a heart of gold or a good heart or a kind heart or a compassionate heart. This it's not always times. there now. I no. Know, yeah, it's not. We, let's just be honest. It's not. So it's not always there, but there are times when it does shine through. Right. And this is one of those times. So, I mean, we're going to take this small win. This was small victory. <laughs> yes. And we're going to clap it up because, uh, yeah, Michael saved the day. Okay, yeah. Because Ben was ready to throw in the towel. Yeah, well, Hunter comes in and overhears Ben saying, well, we're not helping him and he doesn't want our help. 
maybe we should just admit our failure and let him go. I'm glad he heard that though, because it's not it's not like that they were cursing him or anything like that, mm-hmm. or they, they were trashing him. He was having an open con- conversation with his partner, right? And he was just letting them know, like, hey, I've tried everything, right? I don't know what else yeah, to do. Yeah, I I, I'm lost. Like, I I can't break through to him. And he's not receptive to what we're trying, so maybe we just gotta let him go. So I'm glad Hunter got to hear that because them always, you know, going above and beyond for him, and he's not being appreciative, or he's acting as if he's not appreciative. Um, that can be a lot. That can be draining, you know. So right. I'm glad he got to hear, like, hey, we can't, and I owe you nothing. Like you're not my child. Like I don't, I don't. I'm doing this out of the kindness of my heart. I'm glad Hunter got to see that and hear that because maybe that'll spark something different in him. Yeah, I think Michael and Ben would benefit. So. I used to do these air and share things and it was for foster parents to come do this exactly to just like dump out here's what's happening here's what we're struggling with this kid's getting on my nerves or whatever it just created a safe spot for them to come and talk to other foster parents that's dope yeah I didn't know that was a thing yeah and and so it's like oh you're going through that too okay oh you made progress there oh you're at the beginning oh let me tell you you're in for it but it was just this way for them to all kind of share in this together so they really would have benefited from something like that um and i know those things exist and i think that's very important to right to let yeah to be around other people who are going through similar things or people who can kind of help coach you through it or at least encourage you through it because it can be very hard right uh but they don't have that so uh well or they're not doing that so uh Ben, for sure, is kind of at the end of his, uh, yeah, he doesn't know what to rope. do. Yeah. So we see, uh, Kenneth Reichert at the bar and he's trying to pull some hustler and Brian walks up and he orders their very best scotch in a clean glass. Um, and he also orders Reichert a drink and, uh, Reichert recognizes Brian. So Brian is working this case on his own now. <laughs> he's like, okay, Carl, you don't want to do it? I got it. Don't yeah. worry. Brian and David need to be in, in Hunter now. And in Sunshine, they all need to be on payroll for yeah. um, the Pittsburgh <laughs> for the police. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, because they're out here really working these damn cases, okay? He out here like Columbo. I mean, he done came through. Yeah. Well, he sits next to him and he pulls out a photo of Jason. And he's like, do you, you remember me? Do you remember him too? And he tells him that the cops found his DNA all up in Jason Kemp's very dead body. Yep. And Brian introduces himself as Brian Kenny, concerned citizen. Um, he tells him that Hunter hustled him and that the police have all this evidence. And, and we know where you live. Yeah. Okay, so we know who you are. He drops him off the TV guy. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I know where you are. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically like, I'm on to you, dude. I know what's going on here. And Brian asks why he killed him. He's like, did you did he figure out you were a cop and tried to blackmail you? Or did things get out of hand? Like, was it your idea or Stockwell's? Did you go to him to confess the whole thing? And with him promising to protect you if you quit the force. And Brian is being so bold and unrelenting. And I'm like, oh, Liza, please don't let this backfire on him. I know. I thought the man was going to get a knife or something and, yeah. and get the cut. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And Brian says if it were to get out that Stockwell's partner was picking up and murdering hustlers out here and that he was gay, it might have killed Stockwell's chances of becoming mayor. Riker like launches himself at Brian. And Brian tells him, well, if you were to confess, I'm sure everyone would be more than sympathetic. After all, you wanted to do the right thing. Because the story, I mean, Riker doesn't refute anything that Brian says. So the truth is somewhere in what Brian said. And so it probably is the case that he went to Stockwell and was like, oh my God, this happened. What do I do? And they covered it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you know, they, oh, I'm about to get, go in on the police. Keep going. <laughs> the next morning at Ben and, and Michael's, Michael and Ben have come to a conclusion, like, 
they're going to tell Hunter, like, look, we tried it. It's just not working out. Well, Hunter comes out of his room and he has on a clean white shirt, which is intentional, I'm sure. Fresh start, new beginning, clean slate. He comes through that door and I said, why are you dressed like that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, no jacket. The shirt was pristine white. Yeah, okay? he has washed his hair and the dishes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's talking sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, shirt tucked in. Yeah, tucked in with a belt. <laughs> with a belt. Because, you know, normally he's sagging. So I was yeah. like, what the hell? So I said, this boy is working it. Come through, Hunter. Yeah. The ultimate hustler, okay? Yeah, well, he tells him he has a date with the high school principal. Um, It's not that kind of date. He's thinking about going back to school. There's no harm in checking it out. I'm about to die. Yeah, well, Michael and Ben are trying to hold it together, trying to keep those grins inside. Um, But it's like, okay, maybe, maybe. Hunter played the answer in a good way. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he pulled all the strings, okay? He's a puppet yeah. master. But I think he's also like, okay, I'm about to lose this little yeah. bit of situation I got going on. I'm not, probably need to make some adjustments. Exactly. So he had to, but I'm glad that, you know, he's doing it on his terms, though. He's making it seem like, hey, guys, I heard you, and I'm doing it, you know? I mean, yes, you heard them. <laughs> you overheard them. But, look, like, I've been I've been hearing you over these weeks, you know? And I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to get off the street. Yeah. I'm ready to go back to school. But I mean, he's doing it on his own terms, and it's making them feel good. They don't have to feel like they're forcing him into doing mm-hmm. it because it, it seems like he's making that choice. Right. He know? just, yeah, woke up and flipped the switch one yeah. morning. Because, sure, that's what happens with teenagers. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, they just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to do all the yeah, right things. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be a perfect child now. Yes. That's, that's what I did. Yeah. So we see Emmett, and he is sitting at this restaurant for lunch, and he's waiting for Ted to come and join him. And when Ted arrives, he is just as high as can be. In this nice place. Yeah. Okay. At this point, like, you're not just using this as a party enhancer anymore. Like, you are hot all the freaking time. I mean, it's noon. Why why are you high right now? You ain't going nowhere. What you doing? I think somebody said, I gotta stay high. Mm -mm, No. Okay. Mm -mm. Well, still, he is hot. It's noon at lunchtime and you over here, I mean, you're like a child. He is sticking his head through the little divider blind yeah. things. I mean, extra. Stop doing that. Like, I was crazy. Yeah. I think Emmett's decision to partake with him might have made Ted feel a little too okay with doing yeah. this. And I'm not blaming Emmett. I just think the way that he tried to help might have done a little bit more harm than good. Exactly. Um, But still, but still Ted's the one doing it. But yeah. Uh, so Emmett asked where Ted's been. And he says that he was visiting Mark, uh, Dr. Crystal. He's like, oh, we do a little Tina. And Emmett asks, when did you get on a first-name basis with illegal substances? And Ted says, well, you loved it, too. And Emmett... Snaps. Yeah, I didn't love it. I only did it to make you happy, and I'm never doing it again. Put your foot down. Yeah. But then... Yeah, he tries to set some boundaries, but then Ted is nasty and nasty. mean. Like, it wasn't that long ago when you were a waiter, a maid, a porn star. This is after Emmett calls a waiter over. It's like, and now you throw parties for everyone in town. How about you throw one for me, unless I'm not good enough? And then Emmett goes back to sweet Emmett, like, no, Teddy, I didn't yeah, say that. Like, because he's taking out he's taking out his his anger and his shame and his guilt on Emmett. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Don't project, man. Uh-huh. And he says, Well, if you love me, you'll throw a party for me. He's preying on Emmett's weakness. Like through all of this, Emmett has wanting Ted to know that he loves him. He he's doesn't judge him. He's preying on the love. Yeah, you know yeah, saying? that's the love yeah, that he yeah, has he's for him. Yeah, that. taking yeah. advantage of that. It's just awful. The pain is so present on Emmett's face, in his eyes, in his body, like I struggle yeah. with this episode because, yeah. um, you know, I come from a family who struggles with addiction, right? And so I, it just, it, I don't know, it just triggered me in the wrong way yeah. because it don't matter how nice or how, you know, concerned and worried and caring you, you try to be, it always seems like it comes back. I mean, 
he literally flipped everything onto Emmett, crushed his dreams for one, basically called him a whore. You a porn star? I didn't even want to do that. You, right. I did that to I help did that your ass. You, and you really gave me no choice. Okay, yeah, I did that for you. Okay, and yeah, I became a maid because I had no choice. You know, I'm gonna do what I need to do for myself. But I know? was in control, full control of my decision. Exactly. You know, like. And a waiter, who gives a damn what I was doing for my living, whatever the case. I was doing it for me, and I wasn't out here on drugs. But it, oh no, it just triggered me because he's praying, like we said, he's mm-hmm. praying on, on Emmett's and love And I know for it's him. the addiction. I know it's the addiction and the drug, but still. It's hard to separate the two. Yeah, it is. When you can see your other is hurting, and you over here unapologetic. Emmett asks him what kind of party he wants, and he says, a small intimate affair tomorrow for six of his closest friends, and everything must be perfect. Am I making myself clear? And Emmett says, crystal clear. Girl, I died, okay? Yeah. But when he says six of his closest friends, I literally counted out. I was like, okay, we have Justin and Brian. We have Lindsay and Emmett. And then we have Michael and Ben. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Okay, he's going to do a, a big apology and let them know he's going to come out. So I was like, okay, I see where his head is. So you, you bring me back. You bring yeah. me back, okay? Yeah. Meanwhile, I was thinking, Emmett, if you throw this party, I'm going to cry and be so mad at you and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, Debbie is home and she gets a knock at the door and it's Carl and he's hoping to have a quick date with her and she tells him to talk fast because she's got ice cream melting and he wants to explain to her and Debbie's like, with all the evidence staring you right in the face, you still refuse to reopen the case and Carl says, well, if I proceed with this, I'd be a dead man. At first, he, I thought, oh yeah, he yeah, would be because yeah. they, will put, they will put a target on his back for True. sure and He'd have to watch himself, but he says, as far as my future with the force is concerned... That's where he lost me. Yeah, he just wants to collect his pension yeah. and go home, and then Debbie says, well, then by all means, by all means, Carl, that's what you should do. Because you're doing that. You're supposed to be there to serve and protect. Exactly. You're not serving nor protecting anyone. Exactly. You're here to collect a check. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, like, not okay, Carl. Like, this... You signed up for this. Like, I was trying to be more understanding before because I was giving you the benefit of the doubt and wanting the case to stick, but... You just want to fly under the radar and not cause a fuss and collect your pension. Like, yeah, like you, your job is to bring those who break the law into the judicial system for justice to be served, not to sit on your butt until it's time to retire. Absolutely. And I love that she told him if he did this, he would be a hero. Like, fuck being a target, bro. Yeah. You would be a hero. Yeah. I mean, there's, you, no one could touch you, period. They couldn't. Yeah. Because- well, it's like, and even you want to be a hero, this is the, this is your job and this is the right thing to the do. The right thing to do. Yeah. Oh, but when I said here, I didn't mean like no, so no, you get praised. I didn't mean that. But I'm saying like everyone would know about this. You would be in the limelight. Therefore, they could they could physically hurt you, mm-hmm. and then they couldn't you know demote you. Yes, you're gonna get a lot of flack with, within the force, but they couldn't fuck with anything else of yours. You, you feel me? Like I just mm-hmm. I feel like you would have sealed the deal. But like you said, it is your job. Yeah. We're not asking you to do nothing more than your, your job. job. Yeah. So Michael and Ben accompanied Hunter to a local high school. And so he's at least going to look into this. We'll see what actually happens. But he's at least done this part to show them, okay, I I tried. I made an effort. (laughs) And Michael and Ben are going to find out some fun facts about him through his paperwork they have to complete. And we find out his name is James Hunter Montgomery. 
And he is 16. Like, so sad. He just turned 16. I know. Just turned. Uh, he was tricking at 15. Yeah, had a birthday last week. And instead of blowing out a candle, he did that two, three tricks. And he blew three tricks and made one fifty. Yeah. He said that's the birthday he wants. I okay. Mean, but that's just sad. But that like, is sad. This boy has never been able to live, uh, be a child. I right. mean, what 15-year-old has know. to do that? I think about, I have a 15-year-old sister. Right. And gosh, yeah. Yeah, what oh. 15-year-old has to worry about where they're staying and where are they getting clothes from? What are they eating the next day? You know, mm -hmm. who can they trust? What 15-year-old has to actually go out and solicit themselves, you right. know, for that type of fun? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's just, when he said that, I was like, damn, that's sad. I know. Because we take little things like that for granted. Exactly. Just things that should not be, you know. We think that we're supposed to just, or we are supposed to have those, but we're thinking like, oh, everybody has it. No. And we, yeah. Everyone does not have that. Oh, man. Find some kind of way to do some good for people who are in this situation. For right. Who are in this situation, you know? Absolutely. Um, If you can't, like, not everybody's at a place where you can take a kid in, but find some organization, like Centrelink, which we use, like, find some way, if you can, to support these kids and to give them a place to go. And if you can't give anything financially, you can spread the word about these organizations. What other people know? True. Or conversation. You... You never know what a conversation can do to help someone out. You never know what they're yeah. going through. To find out what's their name. You know, can you buy them something to eat? If you can't get them something to eat, can I just keep you company? Yeah. You know, like, how can I help you? How did you get here? You know, these are different steps you can take to get out of this step. Mm -hmm. You know, out of, out of this type of place. And it happens too often. Yeah, too often. It, it so does. Yeah. And for me, as I love this show so freaking much, but I can't just love it and not let it motivate me to do better. Right. As a human being, to do better in the world. So, anyway, side little tangent there. Yeah, well, so Stockwell is um, with his two original campaign people, and they're, they're talking about how the polls all favor him to win, and they're all smiles. And I'm like, y'all are sitting over there with your feet kicked up in the house that Brian Kenny built. Built, okay. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are straight Cadillac in, in his whole house. Yeah. Because your little campaign that you were running was trash, girl. <laughs> yeah. It was garbage. And speaking of Brian Kinney, Stockwell has a visitor, and he comes in. It seems that Jim invited him, and Stockwell wanted to talk about uh, what he can do for Brian. And he asked Brian if he's been following the campaign because he's doing really well, thanks in no small part to him. And Brian's out of the loop because he's been shopping and blow-drying his hair. Like, <laughs> yes, petty, feisty, and feral Brian. Yes, baby. <laughs> uh, Stockwell asked to see... To see him, to say how much he regrets what happened, and perhaps he acted in haste. You know, maybe I just, you know, moved too fast. Yeah, Brian's like, no apologies, no regrets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's his motto. Like, mm. uh, you know, it is what it is at this point. And Jim says, well, we made a great team. You did me a great service. And Brian wants to know if he's offering him his job back. And Stockwell says, I'm offering you a future. And just like the way he comes over, it's, he's so it's, like a villain in a... No, I said, know? what I said, this man is evil. Uh-huh. I thought he was, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I thought some shit was about to go down, okay? Yeah. Like this, you, he can't be trusted. Right. And so, something I noticed, I'm surprised I remember it, but I remember seeing the the commercial, Um, you know, when Brian was at the bar with, uh -huh. before we knew Riker's name, but he was at the bar with him and they showed Stockwell's commercial for, with the basketball. Right, right. He didn't have this like gray hair like he has in this episode. So oh, all of this stuff he's that he did, yeah, got him stressed yeah. and pressed. Stressed. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> uh, well, he tells Brian that he will have more power as a mayor, and he says he can still deliver those fat cats. And now Brian wouldn't have to share that with Gardner. So this is a tempting 
tempting offer. It is, but you know, the devil always going to hang the fruit in front of you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, well, Emmett has uh, feng shui their little apartment for Ted's party. And when I first saw this scene, I kind of wanted to shake Emmett. Like, you're really going to do this? You're really throwing this party? And I don't know. Uh, I guess it's like when you have a friend who keeps going back to their, like, good-for-nothing partner. And you just want to, like, smack some sense into yeah. them. But everything is different from the outside looking in. Exactly. And Emmett just want to get his man back to normal. If it's yeah. the party that's going to get you back to me, then I'm going to throw you this party. It, it, yeah, because it's most, like, I want you to see that I am your, I am with you. Like, yes. I am your partner. I am with you. I want you to see that I'm supporting you. So, hopefully, you will, you yeah, know. Yeah, you're going to be appreciative of this yeah, I you have come back to for yourself. You. Yeah. Emmett laid it. Boy, I see why he's the party planner. Yeah. Like, he laid it out. He did. Well, come Ted comes out looking like a dumpster fire, and yep. he is very ungrateful and condescending, and he changes the music from something classy to... Um, I don't know. I was like, since when do you listen to that? Right. You would listen yeah. to what was opera he loved? Oh, uh, La Traviata. Yes, you listen to La Traviata. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Boy, get him out of here. Yeah. Well, Ted's friends arrive, and... um. They are so disrespectful uh, in Emmett's home, you Bold. know? Yeah, like t- and Ted is rude and out of line, and I think he's punishing Emmett and shoving all this down his throat. Um, absolutely. He's definitely trying to punish him. He's trying to make uh, make him feel horrible, make, it, make an example out of him, or force him into some shit that he does not want to do. He's already told you that he only did that for you. He's not going to do it again, and he basically wants you to stop. But you deliberately invite drug addicts over to our house, you right. had me cook all this food and set up a whole party and plan this, and it's the drug addict you bring it over here? Yeah. Like, boy, get it together. What were your thoughts when you saw that it was not Mel, Lindsay, Brian, Justin, Ben, and Michael? Um, I got mad. And I was, at this point, you said you wanted to shake him. I wanted to slap the hell out of him. Like, boy, <laughs> wake up. Like, no. For one, go over there, tell him, um, baby, you don't pay not one one bill here, and neither does he, so you can beat your feet and get on out this door. And if you got a problem with a Ted, you don't pay a bill either. Go ahead and beat your feet and get help out this door. Go and call Dr. Crystal, yes. yeah. Go to his house for that party, because we're going to turn up over here without our Traviat. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Ted points out the theme for the evening, crystal goblets, crystal plates, crystal nut dishes, crystal candlesticks, and he's just shoving this in his face. You know, shoving it. Yeah. And Mark, yeah, great party guest that he is, brought actual crystal. And Ted has his own pipe to smoke this. He's not even borrowing. No, he's he got has his a own. Pipe. Yeah, and um, and then it just like clothes are coming off. It just becomes a total orgy. Yeah, but I'm like, Emmett, what did you what did you expect? Right, but I mean, who comes in someone's house and just oh, we partying? We might as well get comfortable. You yeah. got your, your feet all up on my couch and my table. No, y'all disrespectful. Y'all got to go. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I really don't know. Maybe Emmett thought, okay, they'll be somewhat civil and then just have like an after party later. Right. Like, surely that's what he thought. Because, I mean, one, they keep calling him Dr. Mark. So, I mean, thinking he, maybe he was thinking, okay, well, maybe I'm going to give them a chance and get to know them. I know these are his friends. They're not the ideal friends. But again, I'm here to support. So I'm going to give them a chance. And then, no, they blew it. Yeah. Literally um, blew it. Yeah, and maybe he thought, okay, Ted won't let them go, like, too far. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't think he knows, really. I think what makes this arc so hard, this Ted, what's going on with Ted, is because even what's going on with Emmett, like, they handled it so close to the truth. Like, this is what happens. Like, Emmett is just kind of in this 
I don't even know what I'm doing, but I think I'm doing the right thing, but mm-hmm. but I don't really even know for sure. And so it just hits really home. I yeah. mean, it's so relatable. Yeah, like, um, it's like say, real it's close to home. Yeah, very close to the truth. Mm-hmm. So Emmett leaves, and that's probably for the best. Like he doesn't need to see Ted like this because it, it is earth shattering and one of the most painful things in the world to see a person you love being controlled by drugs mm-hmm. and, and you can't an, do anything. Yeah, and it's not an image you easily forget. Then in the scene, like. Emmett Lee, and so these guys are already, like, naked and all over each other. Well, one of them is wearing Emmett's purple faux fur coat. Girl, yeah. why would you come into my house and put on my clothes? Right. <laughs> like, on what is wrong body. with you? What is <laughs> wrong with you? This is just way disrespectful. Ted could be my man because you didn't check shit. Yeah. You didn't check no one. Like, hey, guys, well, at least, oh, oh, he's going, yo. Now let's do it. But, I mean, come on. He didn't check anything. No. You let them come in and disrespect our home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, no. All this is just hurtful to Emmett, the way that Ted is treating him and um, the way that he's demanding Emmett be okay with this and not just okay. He wants him to, he wants your participation and he is punishing Emmett for refusing to partake in this with yep. him. So on a lighter note in this next scene, Brian has been killing the leather coat game this season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's gone to Carl Horvath again to give him even more information. Like, uh, I kind of like that Brian's like a dog with a bone on this. Um, he worked really, really hard on Stockwell's campaign, and he's working twice as hard on this. And maybe it's personal, but it's not just personal, right? I mean, he's doing now. He's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian tells Carl that right after he talked to Kenneth Reichert, he got a call from Stockwell. Imagine that. Now I knew Stockwell wasn't right in that office. Like yeah. I could smell something fishy through the screen. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, he's a snake. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what he is. He's a dog. He's a snake. He's anything that's this terrible. And you, yeah. you can see it in his demeanor. Like, yeah. just the way he walked over. I mean, that grin in his face. You know, mm-hmm. like, all, all of that. Yeah, like, and I think Stockwell believes that all Brian cares about is getting to the next level in his career, yeah. making more money, and getting to New York. He doesn't know Brian, because you really can't buy him. Mm-hmm. So. And while that might have been a part of the truth before... Uh, because also you got to remember, Brian wasn't with Justin when he started working for Stockwell. Michael was with Ben, so really... Brian needed to find something to do. Right. <laughs> and so New York sounded like a good option. So, But that was then. But Brian has had a hard look in the mirror and he's made some adjustments accordingly. And I think there were uh, several things that pulled Brian back, including his own consciousness and sense of what's good and what's right. But I think I'm supposed to infer that Justin serves as a mirror to Brian in some ways. Like, not that he's a reflection of him, but there are things about Justin that make Brian examine himself. And I think Justin standing up to Brian and refusing to stop with the posters made Brian rethink some things. Yeah. Now, okay, and this may be a reach, but I think it bothered Brian when Justin said, it's because you don't care about what Stockwell is doing or you just because you don't care. You remember Justin saying that? Right. I think Brian is so used to Justin seeing beyond his actions and seeing through his facade. And so I think it upset him that Justin didn't know or believe that Brian did care to some degree. Right. And so he was way harsher in his response to Justin than he was to like Debbie, Ben, Emmett, Lindsay, or even Michael. Because you should know better. Yeah, because they were accusing him of the same thing. Yeah, because he has a high level of concern and respect for how Justin sees him. Right. And so I think that really shook him when even Justin couldn't really see see him past anymore it, yeah. and see past it anymore. I'm not saying it was only Justin's indirect influence. I'm just saying. Brian sure had his behind out on that street hanging some agitprop art. That part. With his non-conventional, non-defined boyfriend. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Risking it all. But um, yeah, I mean, he really doesn't care about anybody else's opinion except for Justin. So I don't think you're reaching at all. I think that 
he was probably waiting for Justin to see, like he said, see through. But Justin hit him on that surface. And, I mean, it hurt his feelings. So it made him want to act. Yeah. And that's what he did. Yeah, because, like, Brian, no matter what you're saying or not saying, what you're doing is hurting our community. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he had to get off uh, get off that fence. Well, anyway, so let me set this back up for us. Brian says, after our visit, Riker called his old pal, and now he's scared. Well, Carl tells him that Riker is dead. He went to bring him in for questioning, which finally, Carl. Thank God. Let's and, clap it up. Yeah. Okay. And he, he had uh, washed his car and shot himself in the head. Do you think that's on Brian? Kind of. Like, I was like, damn. You should have just worked the horn back first. Let Because now we're really not going to get any justice because dead men don't speak. And he was already a cop. So if somebody else took him out, I mean, it's not like we're ever going to know. That's going to be really covered up, you know. So, I mean, him killing himself is, is an admittance of guilt. But at the same time, like, the world won't know, you know? Like, oh, no. And I, Brian just shook the man. Brian gave him too much. Gave, <laughs> gave him too much. You yeah. told him, I know where you live. I know the little hustler that's a kid that you have been smashing. The kid gave us the condom. The cops have the condom. They bring your DNA. You know what I'm saying? We know you work for Stockwell. I know you're gay. You know, like, I mean, he hit him over the head with everything. That he probably, his demons, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just too much. So... I don't think I can't put the blame on Brian. Yeah, it's because, not a, yeah. yeah, I can't put it on Brian. But Brian just gave him too much. I just wish Brian would have held back. And I know he was pushing those buttons like I normally does, but this dude just cracked. Like, yeah, but it seems like that he was probably headed in a very bad direction. Already, anyway. uh-huh. uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't put it on Brian because Riker. It seems like Riker is every single night at that bar that he goes to now. Yeah. So it's like he has a home. You can probably guess maybe he has a wife. Like I don't. Who knows. But he's at least presenting to be straight because nobody on the force knows that he, or if they do, it's well-kept secret. Very. Um, and so, yeah, I think he was already very close to cracking and needing something done. And so he probably thought, okay, well, Jim, we don't know. But if Jim did help him cover something up, he thought, okay, maybe that'll be enough. But it's like, okay, that cover is blown. So, right, yeah. Like, I have nothing to jigs up. Yeah, so he was close to the edge, and the truth just kind of pushed him right yeah, pushed over. Him over. Yeah. I just wish Brian would have held it. Like, bro, you played all the cards. He was like, dominoes, <laughs> spades. Yeah, <laughs> like everything. Yeah, yeah. Bro, bro, like, I mean, he went all games. I'm like, Uno. I mean, he did everything. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, and Brian clearly was not expecting that. So, yeah. Let me see Emmett, and he is asleep on the couch at Michael and Ben's place. And Michael asks, where was how was the sofa? And Emmett says, where's a good chiropractor when you need one? Michael is in the kitchen making a lopsided cake. And he wanted to make it like Debbie used to make it. And Emmett offers to help him even it out. He tells him it's for Hunter's birthday and they're giving him a party. And Michael invites Emmett. He tells Emmett, you can come to the party. But also, you can stay here as long as you want. But Emmett knows that he has to go and, uh, and face Ted. I'm glad that Emmett always faces things. I'm glad Emmett faces things head on. Like, it's a sensitive subject. It's terrible. He was gone all night because he knows what Ted was doing. But, I mean, he has to go handle the situation. Yeah. So, Justin is apologizing to the disciplinary board. And he says he's truly sorry if he damaged the reputation of the internship program. And he gives a a decent apology. Like, I don't think he believes it. But he's like, I got to make this, you know. I feel like he was holding back laughter. <laughs> he was trying to hold back yeah. the laughter. Yeah, because this is not our, like, confident Justin who really believes the words that he's saying. So, yeah, he's doing enough to get by because they do accept his apology. 
But they told him there does need to be some type of uh, punishment uh, or whatever, corrective action. And they expect Justin to write a letter of apology to Gardner Vance. And I understand that. That's understandable. Yeah, I understand that one. Okay, yeah, sure, whatever, fine. And Gardner's going to read it and throw it in trash, so yeah, whatever, that's fine. pretty much. And then they also want him to apologize to Stockwell. Now you're doing the most. Yeah, and Justin says, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. When I told him he has no choice, he says, well, that's exactly how Stockwell wants it. He's taking away the, my freedom to assemble and to do other things. And uh, I say, well, this is not about you being gay. And Justin says, no, it's not. It's about my freedom of expression as a person and as an artist without fear of uh, censure or reprisal. Um, basically saying, I'm sorry, not sorry. Yeah, no, it's the truth. That's what art is about anyway. It's being unapologetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should be able to express yourself any way you Yeah, it's like it shouldn't matter it. whether I'm gay or straight. Like, yeah. I ought to have the right to, to do, you know, yeah. to, to protest my political beliefs in a, in a safe way where I'm not, you know, inflicting harm on someone else. But I ought to have the right to do that. Exactly. Yeah. And it's in my constitution that I can do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, no. So tell me, what do you think about just his general apology, him going to the, the disciplinary board and doing just that apology? What do you think? I mean, I'm glad that he apologized, but I, like you said, I don't believe that it's genuine because he's he stands behind what he did. I mean, he believes in the work that he's doing. So yeah. why would he apologize for that? Right. I understand he got to apologize to keep face. But um, do you think he made the right choice in going to do it? Yeah, I think he did. Originally, I think he did make the right choice to go apologize to apologize to them. Yes, that was great. And even when they said apologize, you know, send the gardener, I was like, okay. We can do that too. But where I put my foot down, just like Jay did, is like when you want me to go to Stockwell. Like, no, I'm I'm not doing it. I'm not compromising my my integrity. I'm right. not going to do that at all. Like, and it is what it is. Like, if you give me ultimatum, if I don't do this, you know, and, and then that's going to happen, then I'll take those consequences because I'm not doing it. Yeah. And clearly they got to see who Justin Taylor was mm-hmm. because he stood firm on what he said, 10 toes down. He did not bag back at all. And big ups to you, Justin. Yeah. Let's be honest. If Justin wrote a letter to Stockwell, it would be nothing but cuss words yep. or him writing about him and Brian's latest like sex campaigns in very explicit detail. Yep, that part. <laughs> He's not going to write an apology letter to him. No. Uh, so Ted's party is finally over, and in this scene, like the colors all like washed out. It's like dull. Yeah, you know? I didn't like the um, yeah, the black and white. That's, uh, that's yeah, it's, it's really yeah. And I think, of course, that was on purpose. So like, everything is a different shade. Like it's kind of showing us what what Ted is seeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, the party's over, and Mark is headed out to do a, like, real-life tonsillectomy in an hour. Yeah. Dude, this is why you don't want to go on anesthesia when you're... No. <laughs> you don't want to. I'm like, this show has just ruined it for I me. I know. I'm okay. like, uh, can somebody drug test my doctor please. before this procedure, please? ASAP. Yeah. Well, Emmett comes in as they are headed out, and Mark says they're having a party later, and Ted tells him that he'll be there. And Mark says he would ask Emmett to cater it, but they're watching their way. I'm like, the disrespect. The disrespect. You, you, you fool. Yeah. Ugh. And don't make a fool out of me in my own home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no one touched the food that Emmett prepared. Ted asked Emmett where he went, and and Emmett's like, well, does it matter? And he's like, yeah, it matters because you embarrassed me. Um, That's all you can think about is these old low lives. I embarrassed yeah. you for the low lives? Yes. It was extremely rude for you to just take off. My friends think you don't like them. And uh, Emma's probably thinking, well, they're smarter than I gave them credit for because they guessed it right on the nose. I don't like them. And Ted says, since when did you get so superior? Just because you put a piece of cheese on a cracker, you think you're better than everyone. No matter how many fancy parties you throw or how much money they pay you to throw them, 
You'll always be a piece of trash from Hazelhurst, Mississippi. Girl, I damn near fainted. Yeah. Like, I was like, this, boy, grab the hot grits. Grab okay, the fried okay, hand. Bust them over the head. Y'all can forgive me because I'm choosing Violet. I'll be choosing Violet today. You know, yeah. I slapped you on the to, arm. Yeah, we're going we're to shake some tables Yo, in this apartment. We, we will fucking <laughs> turn that hoe up. Okay, we're going to run it up. I'm for real. Run it up. How dick trash? Yeah. For one, that cheese and cracker on that plate paid for your little thieving ass. When right. You stole your friends. For real. Okay. By the fact, run me my money back. For real. I'm still looking for my five thousand. Yes. Yeah, that part. Okay, you hang out with the doctor over there. Okay. I know he got five just a couple grand just laying around. Yeah. So um let, let me get a little something something back. Okay, them some some friends. Yeah, and the thing is, like, Ted is not too far gone to know that Emmett still struggles with his own insecurities about his upbringing and to feel like he will always be trailer trash. And so he intentionally uses that because he knows that it'll cut close to the bone. Emmett says, I don't need you to tell me that because I tell myself that every day, but at least I'm not a tweaked out, effed out crystal queen. I was like, because I was living again. My heart got the beating. I was living, but then I got disappointed again because Emmett goes back. He, he he falls yeah. back into this little softy like love yeah, like baby that is not him though that's yeah. not Ted though you need to stay firm that is not Ted in there that's Theodore we're looking at yeah. you know what I'm saying like whoever yeah. this is that's Tina. yeah that's Tina who we're looking at okay yeah. like you can't put your guard down you gotta remain firm with him because when you said that I feel like the, the trigger came on him mm-hmm. you know like he saw like what yeah you said this to me. And then also my heart broke when, when Emmett admitted that he says this to himself every day. Yeah, every because day. this is a, this is something that is very, he's always trying to run. He said when they got their house, like, we, there are times we didn't have a house. Or when we yeah. did, like, I always wish that Be we lived like them. Yeah, lived yeah. like them. And so he's very aware of that. And so he still struggles with that insecurity. And you're just going to like. No, he blasted it. I know it's the drugs. I know it's the addiction, but. Dang. I'm glad you can separate the two because my cutoff yeah. game is strong. Uh, yeah. Um, Emmett tells him he does go over to after he goes off on him. He's like, okay, but I still love him. This is still Ted. He goes back over to him and he says, "It's not too late. You can still be you again. You can be my little neurotic accountant again." And and Ted says, "I don't want to be me anymore. I hated that person, and for the first time in my life, I am relaxed. I am happy, and I am having fun." Heartbreaking moment again. Yeah. Because and, that was truth. Yeah. That was a moment of truth. He really did. He, like, he disliked himself. You know, he mm-hmm. wanted to live everybody since else's life. Since season one. Since season one, mm-hmm. girl. So with him admitting that, that was, Tina was talking, but Tina was talking all truth. Right. Okay, she was. And that was another sad moment because yeah. this man really has that type of self-esteem. And that's what he felt like. No matter how much love that the friend group gives him, because they give him love. And no matter how much love Emmett gives it's him. It's only what's true to you. What's true to you. Mm-hmm. And, and inside of him. He's nothing. Yeah, you can have a hundred people tell you you're pretty, but if you think you're ugly, that's the only right. that's the only truth that matters to you. That's the only thing that you're gonna believe. And Emmett says, You call this fun, this is pathetic. And Thanks. Ted says, I don't need you criticizing me. And he takes another hit and I'm beautiful. Everything is beautiful. And he tells Emmett, if you don't see it my way, then you can get out. Oh, it's hard. Okay, and what? Okay, I wanna, I wanna say this. Like, I am not trying to shame or guilt or blame anyone who is in Ted's situation or who is in Emmett's situation in the in the real world. Like, I know. So, speaking to someone who is in Emmett's situation, I know how hard it is to love someone who is in a difficult situation, or you know, be it a relationship or addiction or whatever. Even though I've not had a partner who was a drug addict, like I've been in situations where people I love are making decisions in front of me that are like, why would you do that? Or they're horrible, you know? And 
So I get what that's like. And so I don't want to make it look like, Emma, you should have done this and you can't put up with this. I know how hard it is. People don't go from Jekyll to Hyde in 90 seconds. Yeah. Like, it's a slow fade into that. And so, and I understand that. So I know like we're only getting glimpses of what's going on with them in the scenes that we get, but they are days and weeks passing where Emmett yes. is still trying to love him, still trying to support him. Or maybe he sees these little moments here or there of the old Ted. Yeah, you get little glimpses. Yeah. And so I get that it's more complicated than just what, the way that I'm reacting. And also like, I think he's just on, he's on a down spiral right now. As in, I think when you first take the drug, you're up. And then when you're coming off of, you're coming, you know, it, it sparks those negative emotions in you. So you can get real feisty and aggressive. Because like we saw earlier, when he, he did a bump, clearly we knew he was flying. But he came through, he was loving, I mean, like touching all over, kissing him all in his face. But then as soon as he hears something that he does not want to hear. Yeah, when it, he hears, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Or yeah. something that makes him feel guilt or shame. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just brings out the demon in him. Yeah. I... Okay, I might cut this. You can tell me what you think. Um, or if you can share your own story. But so I know that it's hard to love a person in a situation like this. It's tricky. Not hard to love them, but it's tricky to figure out the best way to love people mm-hmm. in hard situations like this. So this is a not completely related story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So I had a friend. Um, she's older than me. And she had a son, a teenage son. And he was giving her all kinds of problems, like still in her car, sneaking out at night, doing drugs, getting all kinds of trouble. And so he stole her car and had been missing, gone for two days. And so I went and picked her up in my car and we drove all around for hours looking like at the normal spots that he would go to trying to find her car, trying to find him. And she was like, you know what? This has been going on for way too long. Like he keeps doing it. He's going to need, he needs some tough love. So she's like, I'm going to have to call the police and report the car stolen. Cause we really, we could not find it. I mean, we drove everywhere. I had to, I had a full tank of gas. We ran that out. I had to fill it up again. Like we drove everywhere. Wow. Yeah. It had been all day that I was doing this with her. And so we called the cops and you know, she and I pull over. She calls the cops the officer and she tells them what's going on. And then she has, has the phone on speaker and the guy says, okay, now, you know, she's, he's like, okay, this is what you want to do. And she's like, yeah, he needs to learn his lesson. He can't, he's getting involved with the wrong people, with the wrong things. And he can't keep doing this. He needs to see this is serious. He could get in a lot of trouble for this. And so the officer told her, he said, okay, well, if we find him, and if you're telling us that he occasionally dabbles in some drugs, if we find him, it's going to be a full takedown. So that means guns will be drawn. He will be arrested. Like all this is going to happen. Well, her son is a teenage black boy. Oh, Lord. And I was like, that changes the game. Yeah, like, girl, because no. This, and this was just a couple years ago, maybe oh. like two. And so it's like, ooh. Yeah. You know? So she was trying to get him to see how serious his actions were, but like. They could have ended up in a casket. Exactly. If she kept so going, sometimes, so. like, you've got to, yeah, it's hard to know the you right know? way to. Because he needed the tough love, but yeah. you know, getting that tough love from that those people who do, does not know him or yeah. own anything. It would have ended up very badly. Oh, yeah. And as a teenager, you don't make the best decisions. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I'm sitting there in the car with her and we're like talking through this and I'm trying to like work through this conversation, this decision with her. And yeah. So, so I, even though that's like a, not the same situation, I get it where you want to bring this person to learn, but she had to just kind of let him go. Eventually, right. he sh- oh, this is sad. Yeah. But anyway, so, um, yeah, just. Tough love and stuff, but yo, that's that's deep. Wow, but yeah, no, I totally understand. 
it's, it's really kind of hard to draw the line. Like, how far do I, you know, go? Like, mm-hmm. what is my limit? What if what, what is my breaking point? Uh, how far can I push them? You know, like you don't want to really break them. You want to break through to them, but right. you don't want to push them so far that is it they run from you. Yeah. Um. So I mean, like, damn. Or put them in more danger. More danger. Yeah. So, because he could have said, okay, well, we put Ted out. Well, then he's just living on the curb on the corner and you know then he starts selling himself to get his next exactly and And then you never know what's gonna happen to him right or is he gonna be safe you just never know yeah anyway sorry about that (laughs) thank you for sharing this story yeah yeah okay i will say scott lowell is acting his butt off in this scene girl what i tell you i said scott is so look we talked to him season one yeah I was ready to fight him on the face. Yeah, like, for real. <laughs> he is so... Scott, if you're listening, you're so lucky that we were able to talk to you because I can't separate Scott and Tate. I know. Okay, so. so to see that he's doing... that, You know, he's doing well in 2020. Yes. That was 2021, I think. He's doing well there. Yeah. Yo, you're killing the game. He, Yeah, and even Peter Page, he's killing it too in this scene. Um, oh, he's like, he was about to cry. Yeah. Like, I mean, for but real. you really see that struggle with that... I'm angry, but I'm, but I'm, but it's okay. I still love you, but I hate this. And you know, th- you're pathetic, but you're awesome and you're yeah. worthy and you're beautiful. And you really got that. You really could see the fight, you know, within himself. Yeah. Oh man. So something we've said a couple times in this episode, like I know it's not Ted. Uh, it's the addiction. It's the drugs, but it sure looks a whole lot like Ted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, so Ben took Hunter shopping for some new clothes. And they're getting back to the apartment. And when they open the door, a room full of people yell, surprise! And Hunter isn't really sure what to do with that. And honestly, I would have thought that this gang has learned their lesson about throwing surprise parties. Like, remember how Michael's went? Remember how Ben's went? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I would never want to throw no... Actually, they don't even do well throwing parties. Even you got to get... Right, even Brian's party. party So, I mean, like, yeah. Throwing parties with this group? No, no, no. No, no, no. no. Uh, uh, And also, dealing with Hunter? Yeah. Boy, yeah. I was I was really expecting him to like flip out at any point. Yeah, I was ready for him just to go left. Okay. Yeah. Cuss them all out, grab his shit and hit the door. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he didn't do any of that. But he gets to meet Melanie and Lindsay and Gus and Uncle Vic also. Uh which that's gonna be another thing because Uncle Vic's positive, positive too. And yeah. so yeah, this is all good for yeah. him. And then he can see that there's light for real because yeah. Vic is older, you know, uh-huh. and then you have someone that's older than you, but by 15 something, 15 years, which has been, you know. So, I mean, like you see generations of people, right. st- different age range struggling from the same thing you're struggling from. So this thing was great. I-, I know why he didn't freak out. This boy has never had a family before. Right. And even Melanie and Lindsay, they had their kid around him. Yeah. They were scared to have Gus no. around him. Like- but it's like, we trust you. We want you here. We want to be a part of you. We showed up for you. Mm-hmm. I know no one has ever done that before. And they did it in such a loving way. It was just like, it was normal. Like, yeah, we surprised you. We're happy for you. Yeah. Um, we're family. And I mean, he was just shocked because you know no one in his entire life has ever done that for him. Yeah. He's about to blow out the candles and they tell him to make a wish for something that he wants more than anything. And this is sweet. And I love this family when they do this kind of stuff. Well, Emmett shows up to the party and he tells Michael that Ted kicked him out and he breaks down saying that he tried, but there's nothing he can do. And that's, that's really the truth. Like, there was nothing else Emmett could have tried that no. I can think of right now. No, yeah. It wasn't. It was no breaking through to him. No. So, yeah, Emmett did everything he needed to do. Yeah. Well, Michael invites him to join them, but Emmett says he needs to go and find a place to live. Well, Melanie and Lindsay overhear this, and they offer up their place. 
And Emmett says he doesn't deserve it after what he called her, but she says it's no worse than what she called him. He does tell Melanie that she was right, that he was a uh, silly person. Oh, I hate that, that F word. Yeah, no. Uh, Melanie says, you stood by your partner no matter what anyone said, and that makes you a very loyal, very brave person. And I'm glad she said that because, Emmett, mm-hmm. you're, you're not a fool for doing that. It shows that you have compassion. It shows that you, you love deep and hard. Yeah. And you were standing by your, standing by he your man. He was doing what he thought was right. Yeah. So I love that she recognized that. And then she complimented him on that. Because mm-hmm. that was, I mean, that was really nice of, of him to do that. Yeah. And I like that she didn't use this to rub it in his face. Like, see, we told you. Told you. Did not tell you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, so, true friend. She was a true friend. Yeah, she was. Like, a lot, they always, not all, well, maybe not always. Not at the beginning, but, but they always know how to loop it back. Yeah, they come back around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not every single time, right, right. but a lot of the times they all loop it back around. So I guess like let's just, let me just say I get how and why they're using the f word, um, not the one that rhymes with truck, but the other one. <laughs> I, I just, I'm not comfortable using that word. So. Why, why why do you feel like they're using that word? I don't. I think I was like because my I mind think, was blown that yeah, they were using it so much. Well, because I think the and this will be a good question for me to ask one of the writers, but. I think because of the context of the show, sometimes you have, like, I know there's some gay men who call each other, oh, girl, or hey, girl, yes. or she, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that's how they talk in their context. And so I think what they're doing, they kind of, these people kind of exist in a bubble almost. And right. so in their bubble, these are the words that they use in their bubble. But now Emma was offended by what she said. Right. So it was known that that word can be used in an offensive way. Yeah, that was the but way, even, she but said way back in season, in the pilot episode, when Justin, when it's on Brian's Jeep, and he drives off and he's like yelling it out where it's like that word has no power over me. Right. So I think I think it's part of that. It's also part of like in our in our circle, in our bubble, we talk like this because this word we don't mean this word offensively, right. even though we know it can be used offensively. And so I think it's some of that. Do I think it's that they should do that or they shouldn't do that? Mm. Uh yeah, that's the conversation we can have at no time. But I do think that's what it is. And also this show was written by a lot of gay men and it was written to be an honest telling of how gay men and lesbian women talk and live and act and so also true and i think it was before um you know the hate crime act yeah now before. yeah i don't think you, you definitely and, i don't think we get away with it yeah and think this often it's before we gained a lot of the rights that we yeah. have now so i just think it was probably used more often then you know like just for the time but i was just like damn like i to me, it's always offensive, mm-hmm. you know, like always. Um, it's, like, it's almost like fighting words. And I know you probably think I'm violent, but I'm not, you know. <laughs> I, I like to be violent over the microphone. We, yeah, but, um, we, yeah, we just talk about yeah, it. So yeah. But yeah, but to me, that's like fighting words, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's so low and hurtful. And I feel like you saying those words, you're intentionally trying to hurt me. Right. You're, yeah. you, you are digging because I didn't got the best of you in my words because I would put those things together and read you for filth. But... If I have to, because I'm a sweet. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, if you if you're saying that, then you're really reaching in your bag, okay? Like you you yeah. you going low. Yeah. Uh, well, the party is over, and Hunter is enjoying one of his gifts. A little, I don't know what that be like. The Game Boy. Or Game Boy. Yeah. Uh, what yeah, what was out Boy. in early two thousands? Uh, well, Debbie and Vic are the last to leave. Of course, Debbie seems like she's the one who shuts the family parties down. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, she have a bottle or something. Yeah. You know? Uh, and Debbie tells Michael on her way out that he is a good man. Um, Ben asks Hunter if he's going out, going to work, and Hunter says maybe later. But he doesn't seem in any hurry to hit those streets. No, he didn't even look up. Like, I mean, he's 
he's for once feeling at home yeah, uh-huh. and comfortable. And he doesn't have to. Yeah. Like, he, he knows that he I'm does not, not have I'll, to go out. I'll have a place to sleep and something to eat tomorrow if I don't go out tonight. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like it's that, that survival instinct. Is, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be on high alert. Right. He can finally let his guard down. He knows that they're here for the long run. So, I mean, that was a very, it was a breakthrough moment. Yeah. Over at Woody's, Justin and Brian are talking about the latest, the latest developments with Reichert. Brian's telling Justin that he killed himself. And Justin says, well, him doing that only proves that he did it. And it's a way for him to avoid disgrace and to protect Stockwell, who he secretly loves. Dramatic Justin in the house. <laughs> I'm right there. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on every word. Like, keep yeah. going, Justin. I'm right there with you. Well, Justin says, okay, well, does this mean it's over? And drunk Brian's like, yeah, it's over. And Justin says, no, no, it can't be over. Like, he's not. Yeah, he's I'm not, not done either. Thought about that. Yeah. I told you, I feel like I got no damn closure. No, <laughs> I'm not done either. Yeah. I want to know what's up. Stockwell hides some shit. He needs to go down, or he knew at least your partner. Even if you didn't know, let's sell his shit up. They wrote a letter and got you, you know what I'm saying, in trouble at the school. Yeah. Like, hell no. Yeah. No. Well, Brian says this time next week, Stockwell will be mayor and he will be collecting unemployment. I wonder if he got like a severance package. I don't know, because sometimes contracts have a, a morality clause. Yeah, I don't think he got and that. And he definitely yeah, no, he, he didn't no, get that. No. It'd be different if he resigned or something. Right. Know, but nah, but, but he didn't get that. No, I don't think so. Justin says that he will be out on the street peddling his art or his behind, whichever makes more money. Both. <laughs> yeah. So Justin tells Brian that they suspended him. And Brian looks at him like, what? Like he because Brian thought he was gonna apologize. And Justin says, well, I did apologize, but he drew the line at apologizing to someone who would rather see him and all the other people like him dead than have them be a part of his family-friendly world. And Brian says, so you sacrifice everything. And Justin says, sometimes you have to for what you believe in. There it is. Yeah, and then he just looks at Justin and it's like, you it's know. That, it's what I said earlier. He mm-hmm. looks at Justin like, this man is amazing. Yeah. To be uh-huh. so young. <laughs> I always say that Justin is fearless. Yeah. He has thrown away his career, well, in this moment, because, you know, Justin's always going to find a way. So, but and he does find a way right now. He might. He might not. Oh, whatever. Justin's going to find a way. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I think Brian is just amazed. Like, this kid really stands for something. Yeah. He is a person who stands by his conviction. Like, Brian does it in his own way. Like, Brian yes. has his own code, his own morals, and he stands by those. But Justin has his. And he's not apologetic about his either. And so, yeah, I think he does think like, oh my, this, he is like awesome. No, for real. Like, yeah. And he's drunk. So he's like, oh, baby, I'm, I'm giving you something. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a fun you night at the lot. Like, call, yes. Daphne, call Daphne and tell her, you ain't coming home tonight. You ain't coming home tonight. Okay, turn <laughs> off the lights. Okay, boo boo. Yeah. But here at the bar, they just settle for a, a nice kiss. And, just the way they smile at each other and look at each other and kind of laugh it's at each other. It's the way Brian looked at him for me. Yeah. Okay, like, yeah. you you going to sacrifice everything? Mm-hmm. Like, their look of amazement, like, damn, you're sexy. That's, yeah. That's what the look was. Yeah, like that. He, Brian loves strength and power. Yeah. And that is something, that makes Justin very strong, saying, no, okay, but it can cost me whatever. I don't care. Right. Like, this is who I am. This is what I believe, you know? Mm-hmm. It's his own version of no apologies, no regrets. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah. That part. And I just knew the way they were talking. We were at the end of the damn episode and I got so mad. Yeah, so he grabs the remote and like pauses it to see how much time we have left. And we had no time left because Literally. that is how the episode ends. Oh. Oh my God. I can't wait till next week. Yeah. God, I can't wait. 
this episode just brought so much out of me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I swear next week, y'all, I will leave the violence at the door. I, I, I won't <laughs> go to the bag. We can't swear that. We've been okay, violent right. since season one. You're right. You're right. You know what? I always carry the bag with me. You never know what I got in. But yeah, this episode, boy, it, it drained me. It took yeah. me off some rides. But also, I mean, I, I forgot about the good things in it. Like the hunter yeah. thing. Like, mm-hmm. I was so caught up with the whole Ted thing. I don't know why that was my only focal point, but... Because a, that's heavy and yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. But when we now dive deep into the episode, I love that they had an actual breakthrough um, with Hunter. Yeah. That storyline can open up the Blossom to be so much good shit. You yeah. know, like, it, it, it has the, the potential to have so much wings, um, wings to go anywhere. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do with that. Yeah, and we haven't gotten a lot with the girls lately, but the, the baby is cooking, and apparently, you know, Melanie's figured out her work schedule, maybe, and Lindsay's doing her thing in yeah. the gallery, uh-huh. so... You know, they've got stuff going on, but... Uh, we got all the drama with the boys, you know. <laughs> I'm messy. That's where I want to be at, okay? Yeah. Like, I really, they, they're too happy right now. Y'all little Brady Bunches. Yeah. Little Brady Bunch right now. Like, I want the tea. I want the drama. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, right now, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm good Well, and boys. it's hard to... I'm not equipped to talk about this right now because I didn't plan to, but I, I bet it's hard. Like, there are... How many men are there? Five or six? Yeah, it's four of them. Well, no. including, including, wait, so, and being, yeah, so there, six of them. So there are six men, and then there are two women with Count Debbie three, and so I'm sure it's a lot, the men are, of course, going to dominate the storylines, because right. more of them. Yeah. And so, with this couple, just like one couple, I guess there's only so much that you can have going on with them in each episode. So, right. They're just so a like, supporting they're, cast. They don't necessarily get a fair shake, mm-hmm. but... We'll deal with that later, but yeah. But when they do have the episodes, they bring drama too. So they we're do not, too. yeah, we're not going to just they say that they're just sitting on the sidelines, yeah. you know, watching. They're no, not. and they're important. I'm glad that they're here. They're part of this ensemble cast, and just as important as everyone else is. But yeah, there are some episodes where they don't have a whole lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so normally we kick off our episodes with our shoutouts. Do we have any good news or any shoutouts or any questions from um, Les? Uh, well, we can talk a little bit about our Patreon oh, yeah, thing yes. that is uh, happening soon that we're excited about and working pretty hard on behind the scenes right now. Um, and so again, that's just a way to get more access, more control, more Absolutely. content, all of that. Get to know us a little better. And uh, again, you know, any of uh, any donations to the Patreon, you know, Patreon. We actually a portion of those goes yeah. to, uh, to the Center Central Link, Center yeah. Link mm-hmm. uh, which is the charity we talked about. We talked about you know since season one, but we also talked we spoke about it tonight in this episode, and it's to help those um, those unfortunate children like Hunter, yeah, you know, who find live, who, who go there to those yeah LGBT centers, mm-hmm. uh, the youth centers. Um, and I'm really excited about that because it's gonna be an opportunity for us to do some fun things to talk about stuff that's not related to queer folk to Absolutely. dig deeper into some like. Some real subjects, real stuff, yeah. topics, real, really us. Things yeah. that we, we're passionate yeah, about. Yeah, if you, you're going to know way too much about us. Right. <laughs> After listening guys. to some of that. Absolutely. Uh, but it's also a way for us to just kind of explore and see, okay, what what exists for us beyond Chris Polk when mm-hmm. we... Because we're, we're pushing, girl. We we're are checking only, on. we got like 20-something episodes left. I do not like the way that sounds. I know. When we started, I was like 83. I know. <laughs> I thought it was going to take forever in a day. Yeah. Like, I really, I was like, well, no, I we was like, we'll be this. done in a year. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I but I mean, nothing. it took a little longer than a year. But at the same time, I feel like season three, we have blown Yeah, through. it is a shorter season, but still, we have blown through this season. Well, but anyway, it, yes. it's a way for us to kind of get you guys' input on like, hey, we're trying out some different things and like, what works? What doesn't work? Yeah, we'll and then, see what sticks. Yeah. So, 
Anyway. So, guys, stay on the lookout for that. Well, guys, you know, we like we said, we got one episode left. So, you know. Of season three. Of uh, season three. We're not uh, going anywhere. Yeah, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> but one episode left of season three. So, make sure you guys tune in because I know you do not want to miss that finale. And um, as always, guys, like we say, until next time, we are out of here. Bye. Bye. Bye.